Hello, and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Sararis, and this is the Wednesday edition of the show this week. Busy, busy times, lots going on during the course of the last day and a half. Big, big moves in free agency, a number of guys signing across a bunch of teams. Spent a lot of time on Tuesday's episode of the show talking about guys who were still available. Some of those guys got picked up during the course of that day. Um, Today, a few more signings. The most recent one I saw, Jacoby Brissett signing with the Miami Dolphins, which is an interesting backup proposition for Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, Tyrod Taylor signing with the Houston Texans, which was an interesting move. A lot going on in the football universe. But today's episode of the show, as promised, is in the hockey universe. A Calgary Flame-centric episode of the show. A team that people in the United States do not get to see play often outside of the postseason because Canadian teams just don't really have a presence on American national television games. NBC does not do a lot of Calgary Flames games during the course of the regular season. But very informative, a good barometer of the state of the team, how things are going up in that North Division. Of course, they fired their coach, Jeff Ward, about two weeks ago now. Daryl Sutter, the two-time Stanley Cup winning coach of the Los Angeles Kings. Out of retirement, the Flames literally brought him out of retirement, off of the farm, to come run the show up in Calgary. Flames are in the mix for a playoff spot. It remains to be seen if they're going to be able to catch up to the teams in front of them, but they can play with anyone in that North Division. Just They have the talent, as Jessica and I will talk about on today's show. They have a very talented roster, top to bottom. They've got Four good lines of forwards, two really strong defensive pairs. There's a lot to like about the state of the Flames, but they have always kind of struggled with that glass ceiling where they've always been the fodder for teams that are chasing a Stanley Cup. They've often run into a team that was on a nice streak that was rolling in the playoffs, and the Flames ended up catching the bad side of a buzzsaw in the playoffs when there's really nothing you can do no matter how good your team is. So... Today's episode of the show was a lot of fun. I had a good time talking with Jessica. The Flames are a fun team, but before we get to that, gotta take care of the business, of course. Please help grow the show by any means. It really does mean a lot. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. Leave a five-star review. If you're on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Audioboop, any other podcasting platform, please follow along. If you see the podcast on social media, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, throw a bump, help spread the good word, help grow the show so other people can find out a little bit about what we do here, and just try and make the sports discourse a little bit more intelligent. That That's my main goal here. All that said, I will see you guys on the other side of the drop. Army up, waits, Monahan, watching him. Monahan steals the puck on the backhand, now shoots and he scores! Top shelf, first on the score sheet, is Sean Monahan. And with that, I welcome on the host of the Locked On Flames podcast, Jessica Belmosto. How are you doing today, Jessica? I'm great. How are you? We're in the good part of the hockey season now. It's really starting to heat up. Everyone's kind of in that staring contest to see who's going to be the first one to make that trade that's going to make every other team that wants to make a move, make a move so they don't end up losing the game of musical chairs. It's a really (laughs) exciting time to be a hockey fan. There's a lot going on. 
And the reason you're here is to talk about the Flames, obviously. They got a new coach, like, what, 10 days ago, 13 days ago, somewhere in that ballpark? Yeah, I think last Tuesday was his first day inside the team bubble. So it's probably been like 10 days. Yeah, something like that. And Daryl Sutter, can't believe they uh, they found Daryl Sutter. And we're going to talk about it a little bit here. But <laughs> my first impression of that hiring was this must have been like one of the four coaches who was just in Canada that wouldn't have had to cross the border for the Flames yeah. to hire him. So walk me through a little bit of just your initial impressions of them hiring Sutter, and then we'll backtrack a little bit and we'll talk about Jeff Ward, and then we might touch a little bit on Bill Peters from last year. Yeah, so honestly, I was shocked that it happened when it did, but um, knowing that it was kind of like in the works, like for a few days before, like a week before it happened, it makes sense now, um, especially with them being able to hire him, like like fire Jeff Ward, bring Sutter back in um, immediately. I thought that it was great. I honestly, like, didn't know he was only 62 years old. <laughs> I thought he was, like, 80. Um, I think that, you know, he has a lot to offer, and he – has the ability to coach a team at a caliber that these players, especially the core, have not seen in a very long time, if at all, in their career. Okay, so what when you say that, what do you mean by that level? Do you mean like this, that Sutter is, I don't want to say more professional, but I'd say more prepared. He's more adept at knowing what certain yeah. players need. So I think that... I'm trying to think of like how to word this without without disrespecting the previous coaches but like Sutter is just on a different level I think that he has he's more in tune with the analytics and like what you need to do in order to get you know more pucks on net and he's not just gonna sit there and talk about x's and o's he's going to break it down further and he'll give you that tough love, but he'll also pull you up by the bootstraps and say, Hey, like you're doing a good job, but also go out there and do something. The flames have been an interesting team for a while now, because from my perspective, the outside perspective, and just, I feel like the general consensus amongst people in the hockey media is that they've kind of gone as far as they could go with the group they've had for a number of mm -hmm. years now that they haven't really, they don't really have any flexibility to bring in any big names to make a gigantic move. So anything to improve the roster would have to come through the draft or it'd have to be a reclamation project or it would have to be a trade. And it's just, I've always felt like they always had a little bit more to gain. And I've watched most of their games since they've hired Sutter and you can notice the subtle differences. I know, I forget what writer, I, I want to give them credit. It might have been Jay Fresh Hockey, but I'm not positive. Pointed out that since they hired Sutter, their games have just had a lot fewer events. Like there just aren't as many shots on goal. There aren't as many zone entries. So there's a lot less going on. It's like life easier for the goaltender, makes life easier for the defenseman. Mm -hmm. And that even if you're having a hard time scoring, if there's only four total goals in the whole game, if you're slowing the game down, you can create three of those four goals and have a decent chance of winning. Definitely. And I think that that's been one of the nicer things about this 
Sutter era is the fact that, you know, they're not taking as many penalties. And my biggest gripe with this team since I've been covering them over the last year has been the unnecessary penalties, the avoidable penalties, because in the playoffs, it was costing them two to three goals a night. And you don't get three goals a night when you're playing Daryl Sutter hockey. So you need to really stick it to the opponent. And I think that it has just been much smoother hockey. And it's not, um, it's not abysmal. It's not hard to watch. I can definitely agree with that sentiment. So let's talk a little bit about the state of the team in terms of who's on it. There are a lot of attractive pieces on this team. Matthew Kachuk has really jumped off. I mean, since he got into the league as a rookie, mm-hmm. he's been noticeable. Lindholm has always been a little bit underrated, spent a lot of time in Carolina where nobody knows who plays on Carolina because the <laughs> national hockey media just doesn't respect it for whatever reason, even though they built a pretty solid program. Dubé hasn't played a ton, but he's gotten some work on that first line. Goudreau, Monahan. Brett Ritchie, who I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about. Manjapani, whose games I've liked for a while. Backlund. Lucic, who I still can't believe is actually still playing. And then that, <laughs> then that fourth line of Sam Bennett, Derek Ryan, and Levio. I mean, this isn't a bad group. Uh, you're, that's a pretty solid top nine. Like, if you were to compare the top nines across the entire league, that's somewhere probably around nine or ten in the entire league. That's nothing to sneeze at. It's a pretty talented group. You've got high-end finishers, you've got playmakers, and yes, you do have the grinders. There's a nice mix of talent here. Definitely, and I think that's one of my favorite aspects of watching this is the different style of hockey you're getting with each line and how competent they are. Um, You know, Derek Ryan was out for the month. He broke his finger, and I believe it was the first game of the season, And that fourth line was just a game of musical chairs. It had no stability. And then Ryan came back and he just kind of, again, I'm not sure if this had to do with Daryl Sutter's approach to things or what, but, um, you know, it was kind of stabilized and we saw um, a lot more just that grinding. And I think like with Sean Monaghan, you have the playmaking and, He scored his 200th career goal the other night and Elias Lindholm has just been just, he's so underrated. Like I talked about it on the show today, but like he's a center, a top line center who's making uh, less than $6 million for the next few years. Yeah. And no matter how much you love Dougie Hamilton, you have to be thankful for that trade and what that brought you. Oh, I want to touch on that a little bit because there's the Rangers tie into that because Adam Fox was in there too. But the trade worked out well for both sides because Calgary got Hannafin, who's been a pretty sturdy second pair lefty. They got Lindholm. They got a draft selection or two. And Dougie Hamilton and Fox went to Carolina. But for all of the accolades and the praise that people in in the analytics community like to give Dougie Hamilton, you know, the best ability is availability, and he has had a hard time staying healthy mm-hmm. in his NHL career, especially in Carolina. I mean, to be fair, the entire Carolina team was pretty dinged up by the time they had to play the Bruins in the second round last year. Yeah. But 
at the end of the day, it is about being available and able to play. And I like Dougie Hamilton's game a lot, but that Hannafin and Tanev pair has been really good for them this year. It was top five in the league and expected goals for and against during the first month of the season. So even though the team around them wasn't playing particularly mm-hmm. well, the two of them were. They were driving play. They were making Markstrom or Riddich's life a little bit easier. So my main point here about Calgary is the pieces are here. It's a matter of finessing the production out of it, and mm-hmm. you got to get hot at the right time. I think that's the thing Calgary hasn't had in any of their yeah. playoff runs this decade is they've always been the team that runs into the buzzsaw. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely a lot of it has to do with just their stamina. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't necessarily think the team is out of shape, but I don't think that they are capable of playing a good solid full 60 minute hockey game uh especially during a playoff run yeah and the one thing that this condensed season has uh you know kind of helped the flames with is that condensed you know back to back that quick turnaround time granted there's not as much travel uh right now obviously because they're only in Canada but I just I really don't think that this is the year that they will have a deep playoff run if they miss the playoffs this year it is not the end of the world it's not this is like kind of like a fake rebuild year for them you know they made the smart decision by not trading their core away over the offseason But instead, hiring a coach who they felt comfortable with at the time, and then they fired him. But you know what? The players who weren't performing under Jeff Ward, or they were, but just not as much, they've already elevated their game. So I really do think that this is just a matter of having a coach who can coach you through the playoffs and, like you said, getting hot at the right time. So when we talk about Calgary, would you say that leading up to Sutter's hiring, the problem was the talent wasn't performing well enough? Would you say it was more intangible stuff, like not being able to respond to momentum, respond to adversity in-game situations, coaching, being able to make decisions? to change up the lines, or if this isn't working, let's try this. What would you say was the biggest problem night to night watching the team? I would honestly say it was, it was the intangibles. I think that Jeff Ward lost the room after he benched Sam Bennett, but didn't tell Sam Bennett until he went to practice or um, warm-ups or something like that. And, uh, you know, players came out and kind of said, you know, like, this isn't about, this isn't a coaching issue here. It's the players being unmotivated. And I don't necessarily think that's true because when you have a coach who, not even just your head coach, but your special teams coaches and things like that, that can't properly assemble things or come up with a better tactic and attack mode or anything like that, that's not the player's fault but it does lay on their shoulders to go out there and, you know, you can't lose seven to one to Ottawa. Yeah. Like that's embarrassing. That's humiliating. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's why there's that sect of whatever team you're a fan of, whether it, I know Ranger fans the other day when they lost 4 nothing to Boston was it last Thursday, there was an entire sect of make it nine, make it 10, make it embarrassing to the point where yeah. every, that either the coach has to just face the music and get canned or this is so embarrassing, we have to come out and play better the next day, which is what happened. They came out on Saturday, and they won 4 nothing against the Bruins. Yeah, thanks for making my Saturday miserable. (laughs) Yeah, yes, yes, Jess is a Bruins fan and covers Calgary. She's got a lot, she wears a lot of hats, is what I'll describe her workload like. (laughs) So, thanks. Hey, it's true. Everybody who does content in any capacity wears a lot of hats where you're a graphics person, you're a video person, you're a photo editing, you're a writer, you met you social media. You do a little bit of everything. SEO. It's absolutely everything. Yeah. So talking more about the roster right now, who do you think is the key piece that makes everything else go? Is it one individual player? Is it a line? Is it a defensive pair? Like for successful teams they have that one line that is able to all right we're down a goal i need to tie this game tampa Mm -hmm. bay will throw the point line out there the rangers throw the panarin line out there the bruins throw the bergeron line out there montreal throws the josh anderson line out there what's the key for calgary i really think that it is a combination of that gaudreau and monahan line now brett ritchie (laughs) yeah um is on that line as well and good for him he's playing well I you know I'm I'm proud of him for finding his own and kind of getting back on his feet but also is there really no better option out there um (laughs) and that Hannafin and uh Tanev line for or pairing rather I think that those five are really the pieces that are consistent that are able to go out there and just with Matthew Kachuk's season kind of being a little streaky I I can't go out there and say oh I love the top line I love you know the consistency they provide because it it's only Lindholm doing that (laughs) so you know you got to shake it up a little bit but I think that second line and that second pairing are great so talking a little bit deeper now, how did you feel about them throwing a bag at Markstrom in the offseason and saying, let's go with him and Riedich? Because they got okay goaltending last year. Nothing spectacular, but Markstrom definitely an upgrade on what they had. And he's played relatively well for them when he's been in net. Definitely. So I was so excited that they went the goaltending route first because with Riddick and Talbot, you were not getting a starting goalie. You were not getting that, like the Tuka Rask, the, well, the, the younger Braden Holtby. You did not have a distinguished starter there. And it was very hard to watch. Uh, I guess Riddick was dealing with an elbow injury uh, in the season. And then Cam Talbot just got super hot during January and February. And then unfortunately the pause happened and the bubble like the whole thing was just like who's gonna start in the bubble who's gonna do this it's like David Riddick hasn't played a game in three months even longer at that point but um you know I think that it has potential to age like milk in the sun just (laughs) like every hockey contract 
but I really, I like it. I, I'm, I'm happy that they went this route. I'm happy that there is stability there. And the thing that this team has needed is consistency. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, not having to decide between your one B or one, one C goalie, <laughs> you have, you have your number one goalie there, right there, ready for you. And even when he was out with an injury with his back injury, I joked and said he got the injury from carrying the weight <laughs> of the team on his back because he was standing on his head night after night. You know, he came back and I think he lost the first game, but he he still did great. And I'm just I'm looking forward to his tenure in Calgary. I mean, I will say this about hockey contracts. The Flames got someone to take James Neal's contract, so no contract right. is immovable. I think that's pretty safe to say, regardless of sport. It's just a matter of what you're willing to give up to get rid of it. I mean, we saw what the going rate was to get rid of the Marlowe contract in Toronto, which was a first-round pick, which was a pretty <laughs> steep price. But there is no such thing as an immovable contract anymore. Unless a guy has a nil move, then it's a little bit different. But but I mean, like, sorry. No, go the ahead. Bruins moved David Backus. Yeah. And... They only retained, I think, 25% of the salary. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, anything can get done. Yeah. It's just a matter, like you said, the price. And maybe how you word things in those <laughs> negotiations. Yeah. Oh, I'll let you borrow my yacht for a weekend. It's fine. <laughs> like. So speaking of that, the negotiations, the roster stuff, do you think Calgary's in a position to add at any point with uh, Tree Living there? No, they have no money. <laughs> they have no money. Absolutely um, no money. Yeah, it's like, unless they do something, I, I don't see them making any trades right now uh, for you know, before the deadline or anything like that. Uh, Tree Living has three years left. So it's this season, next season, and the season after runs concurrent with Daryl Sutter's contract. Think that was done on purpose. Uh, call me a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> if you will. But, um, you know, I think that there will be changes. I Do I think that they'll move players like Gaudreau? Sure. <laughs> do I think it's going to happen every single offseason when there's nothing else to write about? No. Um, I really think that with this coaching change, we're we're gonna see a different Johnny Gaudreau. We're gonna see confidence and things like that. Uh, you know, maybe a side of him we haven't seen in a long time. But I do think that there will be changes made within the next, you know, two years, especially with uh, Giordano's contract expiring. They'll they could expose him in the draft, in the expansion draft, and. Things like that. I mean, change is inevitable, and I think that they that they will make moves. I think, but I just think it's not as quickly as some people are thinking. That's just also a crutch of the Toronto centric hockey media. Is if there's absolutely yeah. nothing to talk about. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have Elliot Friedman come on my show and say, "Well, Jack Eichel's kind of upset, so do with the left yeah. side what you will." I don't know if it's if that means Buffalo's gonna trade him or not, but. You know, we don't have anything to talk about, really. The Leafs don't play today. They're off till Friday. We need to fill up four days of content. Yep. And it, it, it is kind of a victimless crime where the only team that gets, you know, 
only the team gets the brunt of the problem there where every <laughs> single summer for the last four years it's been well is Calgary going to trade Johnny Goudreau to shake yeah. up their core to make a better playoff run are they going to trade Sam Bennett because he requested a trade what a, maybe let's unpack things let's slow things down and say why isn't this guy playing well what's he doing let's it's not only about the points the assists the plus minus like as much as tv and conventional legacy media likes to pretend it is Mm -hmm. you got to look at the results you got to look at all right where's this guy going on the ice is he getting to the good areas are his line mates creating space for him all these kind of little things that that aren't easy to talk about and I think that's why they aren't talked about as exactly and it it, I mean not everyone has the time to sift through charts and graphs and spreadsheets to try and figure these things out but the information is there and you see the teams that know this stuff and the teams that don't based on what Mm -hmm. they do every summer and every trade deadline definitely and I think that it's important for people like, I don't know what it is. I don't because <laughs> I, I look at things and approach it with like a critical thinking, like, like this is the word problem sort of like nonsense. And I cannot imagine going on twitter.com and saying <laughs> Matthew Kachuk has not had a goal in three games. So I'm, we need to trade him right now, but there, there are people that do that. And especially like with the Bruins side of Twitter, like not to drag them into this, but like, I just, people are so impulsive and I understand that not everybody has like that, that hockey mind with like content creating and things like that, where it's like, okay, like there, there might be a bigger problem here. It's not just, it's not just him not scoring. There's, you know, this factoring into it, that factoring into it. And lo and behold, it could be like a wrist injury, knock on wood, but like just, just relax. Not everything has to be for likes and retweets, please. And one of the other things that we can touch on that's in this sphere that I have a little bit lower down on my little note sheet here, I went through a bunch of different things looking at stuff about the Flames. The thing no one really, I, I hate using the cliche, no one really talks about, but <laughs> no one really mentions the fact that how much of hockey is just high variance and random outcomes where yeah. you're talking about shooting percentage and save percentage are the things that get coaches fired I mean a couple of years ago Columbus fired their coach like three weeks into the season because their goalie had like an 875 and they had won like two games in a month and <laughs> Calgary was I would Calgary wasn't playing that badly their shooting percentage no. was a little low I mean still even now with two weeks of Daryl Sutter they're still under that like nine two five where you want to be for shooting percentage. The goaltending's been good for them all year though. Their goaltending's been nine two or better pretty much mm-hmm. the entire way. The shooting percentage they haven't created as much offense, and that's something where I can easily explain that to someone. Okay, a team usually takes X number of shots during a game. They usually have this many resulting goals. Well, they're only getting one point nine five goals a game instead of two point oh five, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot. But over the course of an entire season, it turns into a lot. It adds up. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I hate math. (laughs) Yeah. But when I look at it in terms of hockey, it makes sense. But if somebody, if you put an algebra problem in front of me, I would start crying. Um, I don't know how to do anything. And so that's why if y'all ever see me tweet out a stat and you're like, justice is wrong. um, Talk to somebody who created the website because I just copied a piece of it always give them credit though but um you know I think that it's so important 
for teams to embrace the analytics and these advanced stats that, you know, players shrug off and, you know, things like that. But it's like, they're not, they're not crazy. They're not bad. They're, They're there to help you. And I think that we're going to see more teams as this older generation steps down and things like that as they retire and pass the torches to whoever is next I think that we will see more of that analytic analytical analysis side of things play a bigger role than it is now and the teams that embrace it faster are going to be the ones that are winning your Stanley Cup and i Every single person I have this argument with that still clings to the old way always says, how many playoff series have the Leafs won? I, I, I understand that mindset of the Leafs or the team that's embraced this to the highest level of mm-hmm. we only care about creating offense. Whatever we do on defense doesn't matter. We're just going to outchance you and we're going to score more goals doing that because our forwards are better than your forwards. And I get that. But just once give them good goaltending and I think they'll be fine that yeah this is the biggest thing I always say to people who are skeptical of the advanced statistics is those teams that don't do well in the playoffs you can't look at the advanced statistics in the playoffs because those are only like you know four five six seven games that's not enough to have a full sample to have an average of to understand the Rangers got out of the playoffs in three games last year and the advanced statistics were horrendous they got dramatic they got outchanced almost two to one for the series across three games and you know that obviously tells you that but in a close series in a five game a seven game series that goes all the way to the end you're looking at those little things they're not going to matter as much because one fluky balance one save that wasn't expected to be made those kind of things swing it and I want people I want people to understand this stuff because it makes the game easier to understand that's the thing I think that people who don't get it, that the reason we explain it the way we do is we want you to understand hockey more. We understand that not everyone can watch 82 games, 60 minutes for and one team. I don't team. blame them. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> part of it. And this helps fill in the blanks. You want to go look up where someone has taken shots from at even strength all year? I can point you to three websites that'll show mm-hmm. you the exact spot on the ice and what each of those shots is worth. And that stuff is so useful. And I just want more people to embrace it because the information is there. And then we get to demand accountability. We get to yeah. say, hey, how come they're, they're, this team is playing so much better than us? How come you guys don't play like that? And I just want, I want teams to be better, basically, is where this yeah. monologue rant is going. And I think that's fair. And I think, like, I know that when I started writing about hockey, I, I literally typed in hockey for dummies because <laughs> I, I watched the games. But I was like, I, I, I don't feel confident in my knowledge. So, I, but, you know, obviously, like, you know, you build up your uh, confidence and things like that. And then you start adding in those statistics and it makes, it makes pieces better. And if we get, um, you know, I, I don't even remember what I was saying. Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> I think it does make pieces easier to read and you understand it more it makes that uh, what do you call it? like there's more information to support your argument, argument. Yeah. and you know just like if I say hey the sky is blue you can look outside of your window right now and say yes it is and if I say David Riddick has a 
907 save percentage. And you're like, what the hell does that even mean? And you're like, oh, it's it's right there. It's linked. Okay. It, it, I don't know. It's just, and that's not even an advanced statistic. Yeah. So people are just like, they don't understand. They're like, oh, that's not what that is. And it's like, stop relying on plus and minus. It's a stupid stat. Oh, yes. I hate plus minus with every fiber of my being. All right. So circling back a little bit more to concrete, just the flames. What have you made of the North Division so far? How have you have you enjoyed it? Has it made your job more miserable? How do you think the flames fit in? There's a lot of questions in there. So start wherever you feel like it. I think all the teams aren't as good as they think that they are. Um, Toronto, I'm kind of looking at you. Uh, <laughs> mainly looking at you. Montreal, staring you right down. Uh, I just, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't <laughs> because I can't, I can't pinpoint it. You know, Vancouver is a monstrosity that you just, we would need a day to unpack that between their cap space, their mismanagement, all they have no plan. They spin a wheel, shake their magic eight ball and cross their fingers. And that's how they get their next step. But, you know, you look at Toronto, that, um, the, the, the pace that they were on was not sustainable. It was not going to last. And, oh, my God, your team loses a few games. It, it's okay. It, I promise you, it, it, the world's not going to end. You're not going to miss the playoffs. It, it's going to be okay. And I think that's the thing that a lot of fans don't understand who haven't lost a lot. Like, they get hot and they're like, oh, my God, my team lost. Now what? you you move on to the next game it, it's okay and I do think that there Toronto is going to make moves at the deadline I know that that was kind of put out there today in mm-hmm. media availability and I do hope that it is nothing that is a threat to Calgary but it probably will be um I just I don't I don't know the the Ottawa Senators they're the team that has broken everyone they got two head coaches fired they broke Toronto now what like if I was working in hockey and my team was going to play Ottawa I would say my job is on the line (laughs) like I would not feel safe but you know I think that Calgary is a good team but like I think all the teams are a good team excluding Vancouver like I just I think that everybody is on that competitive level and it's just a matter of who brings what each night and you know if your players are all healthy at the same time if your goaltending wants to show up or if you have a defense, it, it's literally just like the smallest things on each team. Absolutely. I, I forget what day last week I did an episode of this podcast about this specifically, just trying to unpack the North division a little bit. And 
I just came to the conclusion that it's been extremely streaky, that Toronto came out of the gate rolling. Mm -hmm. Montreal, that first month, Montreal looked like the best team in hockey. Calgary started out pretty slow. Vancouver has been an extreme up and down. Ottawa has been not good, but every now and then they've jumped on teams by surprise and just run them out of the building. There are no dull games in the North Division is what I'll say. I've watched so many games from that division solely because I know something chaotic is going to happen. Oh, yeah. If the Senators are in there, something weird will happen. Like yesterday I saw they put the cutouts of the guy from the Sickos meme behind their penalty box. The aha, aha, yes, yeah. Absolutely beautiful stuff from the Senators, even though, you know, they they know they weren't trying to win a lot of hockey games this year. It was just about fielding a hockey team so they could keep their franchise for another year and then eventually getting a hockey team in maybe a year or two that it doesn't really matter what happens but we got to play it's been very streaky Winnipeg they went into Toronto last week they stole a pair of games Hellebuck stood on his head it's been very streaky and yeah I know we said this earlier whoever rolls into the playoffs hot is going to have a lot of momentum and it's going to make a difference because you're going to play if you're Toronto you're going to play a Calgary or a Montreal in that first round. And if you're going in hot and you're feeling yourself and your goaltender's in a good groove, that's the thing that you need. And we see it. It's rare that the best team in hockey actually wins the Stanley cup last year. Tampa Bay was the first time in a while where the best team in the league actually won. I mean, the year before St. Louis, Washington, either of the Pittsburgh teams, that Blackhawks team, the Kings, None of those teams, I'll say, aside from maybe the 2015 Blackhawks, were the best team in the league that given year. It's just about getting your goalie hot, playing well at even strength, and your penalty kill and power play not just being garbage. They have to be decent, both of them. Neither can be useless. Definitely. And I think that, again, that obviously comes down to the players, but I think it's the coaches ability to coach in those high pressure situations mm-hmm. because a Tuesday night game against Winnipeg is not the same as a playoff game against Winnipeg and I just am very interested to see who does what yeah and who ends where because I, I'm still not sold on Montreal I think that neither am I I like I was at first but then you know it's kind of like the sabers and uh <laughs> you know they get hot for like a month and you're like oh my god this is the sabers year like let's go like woohoo finally and then they they go on and lose 12 straight and you're like okay they're they're done by November like there's no there's no hope <laughs> there's a uh, very little to look forward to when it comes to playing teams like Ottawa but I think it's always a fun chaotic game like you said I think really any game involving Brady Kachuk is one (laughs) to watch he is he's wild like (laughs) I know people give his brother a hard time but oh my god he's the one to look out for he's a menace he is so in a hypothetical world what matchup in a in a playoff series would Calgary you feel the most comfortable for them if they were it doesn't matter what seed they are because basically it's going to be the same pool of you're either going to play Toronto Winnipeg Montreal mm. or Edmonton of those teams who do you feel like Calgary would have the best chance of advancing against Edmonton 
that was my first reaction yeah I would say Edmonton um Edmonton or Montreal I think that you know obviously you have to worry about Connor McDavid but you know we saw last night that they played pretty well against them and they've played they've matched up well this season and I think that that is the most like level playing field Mm -hmm. throwing them up against Toronto would be mismatched beyond belief and you're gonna get that in the playoffs regardless but I I would definitely say Edmonton or Montreal I like I like that a little bit a battle of Alberta first round would be very fun the chaos factor will be there the Edmonton centric media will play it up and yep there will be a Kachuk incident. There will be a Cassian incident. There will be a Juju Kurihara incident. There will be a lot of mm-hmm. violence in a, in a potential Battle of Alberta first round series. Who's and the that's worst? What I, want. That's what I, want. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, we want compelling, entertaining hockey. So Toronto would be your worst idea for a first round matchup? Yeah. Like, yeah? I just, yeah, because that gives Toronto a chance to win a first round playoff series and we can't have that i like how everybody who's not from toronto has that same exact opinion of no matter who it is no one can let the leafs win a playoff series no matter what we got to keep this joke going forever i mean it's been since 2004 that they won a playoff series uh they've had ample chances is what i'll say they have had (laughs) how many game sevens against boston (laughs) but like come on yeah but i yeah no not Toronto unless like their roster is somehow like incredibly depleted and they're like oh yeah so and so is not going to be out or uh, you know Austin Matthews has has a broken wrist so he's not okay bye let's get on (laughs) it let's get on our plane but I I'm interested to see how this goes playoff wise uh I'm hoping by then fans will be allowed back in in Canada I don't really know how that whole situation is working but I would love for fans to be able to go to the Battle of Alberta I'm just calling it right now that's what that's what we deserve that would be a really good two three I think that's the only way you could get that because I don't think either Edmonton or Calgary could catch up to Toronto because of the gap they have and then Winnipeg would probably be end up being the four seed in that universe and Montreal gets left out if you were to play it out. I have to look at the schedule breakdown of who has how many games against what team still remaining. But getting towards the end of the conversation here, I do want to ask you, I always do this with people. Give me your vibe check right now. We'll start with the talent. Do you feel like the team is talented enough to make the playoffs and to at least win one round? Yeah, they passed that vibe check. Now that... They have a, a solid coach. Mm-hmm. They don't have me behind the bench. <laughs> they, like, they don't. And, you know, no disrespect to Jeff Ward, but I could have I could have done the same thing <laughs> for a lot less money. Yeah, no, they pass the vibe check. They pass the, the whole first round. I, I'm a fan of it. I definitely think that it, as long as it's not Toronto, they're fine okay i definitely but i'm not i'm not entirely convinced that they need to make the playoffs this year 
And okay. I know that fans don't like that. What would you what would you say is the biggest need on the roster right now? It just not a specific person, mm. just a whole, whether it's a defenseman, a forward, just what type of player do they need if you feel like they have a hole? I really feel like they don't. I I really like what they have. I unfortunately think that they're gonna have to start limiting uh their captain's minutes mm-hmm. come second half of this season. I think that they're gonna have to swap that second that first and second defensive pairing I guess if I had to it would be a backup goalie Uh somebody who could consistently back up maybe they do like an every other game or two one like I don't get creative with your management (laughs) and things like that but get creative and make it more sustainable and manageable. And I know that in the playoffs, teams typically don't mess with that um, goaltending tandem. Mm. But, you know, if you're getting shut out and blown out, like six to one, why, why is your starter in there? <laughs> yeah. Send somebody out there that is not, that is not your starter. But, I mean, I... I'm comfortable with the team, okay. which is surprising. Is there anyone on the team that needs a kick in the butt to play a little bit better that you feel like isn't playing up to their potential at the moment? <sighs> you don't have to bully anyone, but is there no. someone you feel like that isn't playing as well as they should be? I hate saying it because like he's such a good player and such a good leader, but it's Kachuk. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on there, but he is a streaky player this season and again there's multiple factors and variables that could be going into that but I do worry that it could be something I my head goes to worst case scenario that it is an injury something lingering um or some sort of mental bug chip on his shoulder or he's just not receptive to Daryl Sutter but I, don't, but I don't think that's the case. I, I don't think that's the case. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I would, you know, give him a little kick in the butt and say, hey, please get it together. That's reasonable. I like you and I don't want you to be the subject of trade talks. <laughs> okay, so moving upstairs now, how confident do you feel in tree living in the front office for roster management and then just handling decisions like crisis management? Um. No, not very. <laughs> okay, explain, um, please. <laughs> My biggest gripe with Tree Living is the fact that he only interviewed Jeff Ward mm-hmm. for that coaching position. And that is so awful in so many different, for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many talented coaches out there. There are plenty of phone calls to be made. And he said, no, I'm going with the cheapest option. And look where that got you, Brad. Look where that got you. You had to call the farm and say, come back. We need you. But I think it's time for a woman to take over that front office and show them how it's done. Not me, though. I don't know anything. I I will spend $6 on a coffee and not think twice. So 
don't hire me to do anything. See, that's where we depart. I am totally co- overly confident in my own abilities where I feel like <laughs> I could do just as good a job as anyone. You're telling me my job's contingent on winning ping pong balls out of a magic tumbler, and that's basically how I yeah. decide if I get to keep my job or not? I'll, I'll roll the dice. You're telling me this is the biggest factor in determining how good my team is? Okay. If I can get but, one good guy in the draft, I think I could make, make a competent team around them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I respect it. Yeah. My issue is that I have no money management skills. I will look at a player and say, those numbers are nice, but he looks mean. <laughs> so like, I, I, like I'm going to be too intimidated. No, I'm just, I'm completely kidding. Uh, but no, I think that, I do think that there are uh pl- plenty of people out there who could do better jobs than mm. the musical chairs that front offices and coaching positions seem to have and i'm looking forward to the day where we finally see some fresh blood mm. in multiple offices in multiple positions of power and just are there and they're going to make a difference yeah that that kind of stuff is important we are creepily getting there at a snail's pace the seattle front office right now is doing more for that kind of stuff yeah doesn't have a team yet than any of the 31 teams in the league at the moment yeah seattle is uh doing it a lot better than everyone right now like you said they don't have a team they don't have a name on the roster or anything and i think that they're setting the precedent and i i just can't believe yes i can believe this um i I can believe that nobody out there or very few teams are taking you know anti-racism pledges or working on making things more accessible and you know affordable and things like like i just get it together nhl please it's the biggest thing I always, every single episode I do of this show with a guest where we talk about hockey, the last three minutes always devolve into just the NHL has so much potential to be better than it is. And it's been in the same place for like 30 years now. And yes. No one seems to take the initiative to be like, we could do better than baseball is doing right now because, you know, baseball is facing the same problem and mm-hmm. nobody in hockey seems to care. I just, I don't know if it's the fact that they don't know how or they're just a bunch of stubborn old men yeah that's that's mostly what it comes down to is just stubborn old men i mean there was a feature today in the athletic that i forget which writer wrote it but it was just about jeff jim rutherford's last few months in pittsburgh and one of the main things in there was like yeah he fully tried to trade for mark andre Fleury again and it's like uh, you y- you know you gave him away for nothing like two years ago, right? Right. You incentive you gave the Vegas James Neal too, so you would take him, right? That that was we all remember this happened, and that was your big bold idea to save the Penguins was to trade for Mark Andre Fleury again. Yeah, I. Hockey men are bad. They are like as much as I love the sport. Sometimes I'm just like. What made you qualified to play this or to (laughs) get this job besides the fact that you are connected to people who have skated on this ice before? Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. I was so excited to like 
come on and talk about hockey on somebody else's show. <laughs> yeah, as it, when you have to make something every single day, it's nice to hear a voice that isn't yourself. It's yeah. very nice. Whether you're writing and you're making a collaborative piece or you're just able to give it to an editor instead of having to edit yourself or like yep. a podcast, having guests always makes it easier. This was a lot of fun. The Flames are an entertaining team. Yeah, no, and I I enjoy watching them. I I think they're fun. The, my only gripe is that they're two hours behind, but yeah. that's my own. That's my own fault for picking it. I accepted this when I like I knew that when I accepted this position. But I, I love the team. I think that it's more fun watching them than it is my own like hometown team. I, you know, I love the Bruins to pieces, but I think it's more exciting to watch a team that you don't have any ties to. And you can just say, okay, I'm not going to hurt anyone's feelings with this. Not My great uncle Jim isn't going to call me and say, you trashed Tuka Rask, so you're written out of the will. Like, see you later. <laughs> like, and it's fun getting to branch out into the Canadian market. Yeah. Some of the most passionate hockey fans out there. It's really a lot of fun. Tell people a little bit about Locked On, the Locked On Flames podcast, because... I've been listening a lot lately in preparation for this episode to get my brain right, to kind of understand where you are and your views of hockey. So I knew what to talk to you about, but for the rest of the general public, give me a snapshot. Sure. So we, well, I host a (laughs) flames podcast Monday through Friday. Uh, It's about a 30 minute show. And lately it's been obviously about the coaching changes and the improvement of the team, uh, Lucic blocking me on Twitter, um, and then just, you know, snapshots from around the league and updates from practice, news and notes, and really any breaking news and things like that. I love it. It's Monday through Friday, like I said, and it's a fun way to just yell about hockey. And yeah, I do it by myself, but it, it's fun. I like being able to just yell. Yeah. And- complain (laughs) the best content the best content comes from that place of passion whether you're writing podcasting making a video if you're angry you're gonna make good stuff if you're very happy you're gonna make good stuff nobody makes good stuff when they're lukewarm no one makes good stuff when they're a c minus it's got to be that burning rage or the unbridled happiness yeah like when i found out that they had fired jeff ward i was like in bed and my friend texted me and was like, oh, yeah, they just fired Jeff Ward and brought back Sutter. And I was just in such a <laughs> pure state of confusion that I recorded the podcast at, like, 1 a.m. And I was like, hey, guys, um, so this is happening. <laughs> and it, it was fun because I was like, okay, big changes are coming. And I knew that that would be exciting for the team, but also for my own selfish reasons for content. But I know when I saw that notification, I was like, Sutter as in Daryl Sutter and like I triple checked it like originally I saw the first tweet I was like that's a fake account that's not that's not actually a reporter no way they no way they they brought a guy off of the farm who's been retired for three years no way and Calgary actually did it yeah so I don't know I don't know how they did it or what but I listen I respect it I do think that the Flames need some tough love and uh, Daryl Sutter approach to hockey and to get them on track and to hopefully do I think that there's Stanley Cup 
contenders? No. But do I think that they'll, like, make a slight push in the playoffs? Sure. I think that they need that to get past the first round. And they might lose in the second, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll take it. We're realistic with our goals here. That's yeah. It. We're realistic with our goals. I will see you guys tomorrow. Flyers episode tomorrow, which would be very interesting. The Rangers are in the middle of a two-game set with the Flyers. Going to talk about the game on Monday. Talk about the game that'll be played a little bit looking ahead to the game that'll be played on Wednesday night. Recording it during the day tomorrow. Have that. And my guest is also really good at making fan cams, so I'm going to talk to her about that. So I will see you guys then. Have a good one.